This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Larry Rogowski, and we cover it all from quality over quantity, meditation, health, and gratitude, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Larry Rogowski. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me in person is Larry Rogowski. Larry, thank you for joining me. So nice to be here in the flesh. This is the, this is the first one in over two years that I've done in person. Wow. So this is like really exciting to actually see your face while I'm talking to you. It's been Zoom this whole time. Uh, we have so much to talk about. Everything from burlesque, company, all these shows you're a part of. Um, but before we do, before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? I, I wanted to be Ricky Schroeder on Silver Spoons. Okay. <laughs> I remember thinking that. Hey, come on. I'm a kid of the 80s. I remember watching that show thinking, I want to be an actor. Not knowing what the hell that, that meant, but you know. Was that fostered with the parents or was that your own personal dream? Not at dream? all. It was just yeah. like a personal thing. No. I mean, I grew up very, very modest. My mom's a nurse. My dad was a, uh, if you remember, if you remember this brand, Charlie Chips, he was a Charlie Chip salesman. Oh my God. So it was very modest. My parents had no um, really aspirations of having their kid be an actor in the arts or anything like that. I love that. When did you decide that that was going to be your, your go-to? Like you're going to arts theater. <laughs> I did, you know, I didn't, I really, I, I think I was in a band early on. I was like, uh, I was a metal head back in the eighties. I was really into Iron Maiden and Metallica and these sort of heavy <laughs> music. It was because of my brother, he bought a Metallica album and I sort of got hooked on it. Anyway, then I was in a couple of bands uh, and we played locally. Um, what did you play? really made it far. I was a singer. Okay. Yeah. So from there I, I was like in the the chorus in high school, you know, I was the one kid that had the long hair and I sort of looked like I didn't belong in the chorus, but I totally did. And I loved it. And I did the school musicals. So and was the, was the, uh, cause I know we talked a little bit before we started about going down to Florida for a stint and performing and now, you know, this producing yeah. thing, which is fantastic. What was the transition for you mentally performing well, to producing? Well, it was class. actually, it was, it was quite a journey. So I was a performer for a long time. So, um, I went to college. I went to SUNY New Paltz, which is upstate New York. Familiar. And um, I, I majored in theater, brilliant financial plan, because <laughs> I, I honestly, I, w I just really wanted to go to college. Okay. And I wanted to get, get, get out of my house and have a great time and party and discover myself, which I did. Yeah. Um, but I thought, oh, well, I'll be a theater major. So I did that and, of course, fell in love with it and then um, pursued a career as an actor. For about seven years, I, I worked, I, I toured nationally. I worked at Disney World, as I know we, we'd spoken about offline. offline. I was there for one year. It was a great year, but it was also the year that Rent opened on Broadway. And I was like, I got to get out of here because I'm going to go back to New York and be in Rent. I was never in Rent. But... <laughs> What can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so I was an actor for a bunch of years. And then this time I was 27. So, you know, late twenties, that's always like a tumultuous time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was for you, but for so many Still people, is. it's just like, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, that was a time where I totally shifted gears and I went to massage therapy school and I started a career as a massage therapist. It was going to be really my side hustle while being an actor, but I fell in love with it. I, I think I more so fell in love with the idea of having my own business, hmm. my own thing that I could sort of call the shots and make my own money and not be reliant on casting directors. 
So um, I, I just I built a practice doing that and I fell in love with the wellness field and I built a whole business there. I, I became a, a wellness consultant. I started implementing wellness programs into doctor's offices and that became my business mm. for many, many years. Um, and then I got to the point of, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. And that's when producing happened. And what was that? I'm just curious. I like the specifics. What was that moment? That moment was, so um, it's well, the sort first. of personal. Yeah so, yeah, so my husband created a show um, that was like off-off-Broadway many years ago called Disaster. Mm. Um, he created it with Seth Rudesky and Jack Plotnick came on later mm. into the picture. But um, it went to off-Broadway and my buddy Sue and I, who's now my producing partner, mm. we did a small investment because it was Drew's show and it was, you know, we wanted to support it. Very, very small. Sure. And we were part of it when it was off Broadway and then it got picked up to move to Broadway and the lead producer said, do you guys want to be co-producers? And I said right away, yes. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, so basically it meant we had to raise, agree to raise a certain <laughs> amount of money and, you know, we're along for the ride sure. and we were game for it. And at first I was like, uh-oh, we agreed to raise all this money. How are we going to do it? It was actually... Um, surprisingly easy to raise the money. I think because I just really believed in the project and I went to people I knew had the funds to do it mm. and it would happen quickly. And we were a part of it. We got to sit at the table, really learn. The show only ran for four months on Broadway, um, but it was the most amazing experience. I learned so much and that led to the next show, to the next show and brought us to where we are now. Yeah. That's interesting with, with producing in particular, you know, as a performer, once you're in the show, you're in the show, you're doing your job as a producer. There's can be self-doubt on the path, the yeah. journey, the fundraising, all of it. When that creeps into the mind, if it does, what is your self-talk to keep moving forward and to, I guess, stay the course? Well, most producers, contrary to popular belief, don't make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't make money as a producer really until you have a hit show. I mean, there's These some, look, if you're a lead producer, there's some fees and, and thing, you know, there may be a royalty, things like that, but to make significant money, you have to have a hit. Yeah. And that could take several years. Some people look, they get a hit first time out and it just happens. <laughs> I was not that person. <laughs> so, um, I honestly, my character is, I mean, general people always say, you smile so much, you say, which I think is kind of funny. I'm like, so what, what's the alternative to that <laughs> frowning? I always, exactly. I just, I, yeah. I just have a, a positive outlook on life. I totally dig being with people. I love mm. the thrill of building something. I sort of like the chase. I mm. like the raising money part. Yeah. I like the, the creative part, of course. Um, so I, I there's always going to be self doubt. I think always, sure. no matter what, no matter what level you get to, uh, I think the self-doubt maybe gets even greater the more successful you get because then you have more to lose. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So it can get a little bit more serious the further you go. Yeah. But to me, it's always about, first of all, we're making art. We're, you know, especially with everything going on in the world right now and the things that go on in the world all the time, it's like nothing is that important. And I remind myself mm. that all the time. Like what's really important in life? And does this matter that much? Yes, art matters a lot, mm -hmm. but maybe the specific moment doesn't matter so much. And any of those mm -hmm. moments, if you could think back probably in your own life, mm -hmm. that seemed so important, you know, um, you look back a year later and you realize, oh, that wasn't, wasn't all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I survived it. It's okay. Yeah. That's so, that's so true though. No, but it's, it's good to keep, I mean, essentially keeping yourself humble on the whole situation. You know, and yeah. especially because I've mentioned this before in the show, um, my sister in, who's in the Air Force, every time I get on the phone with her, 
what she's doing at work is so different than what I'm doing at work. And it just puts a whole perspective on like, this is like, we're lucky. We're lucky to be participating in this. It's important in the sense of, I mean, economically, if you think about it, it really is important. You can see what happened the past two years in New York with Broadway alone, how that ripple effect, like Broadway shuts down, that affects, you know, the dry cleaners, the restaurants, the taxis, the hotels, the whole economy that's around it. That Mm. ripple effect is major. So in that sense, yes, it's pretty huge. Yeah, it is. You know, we have to remember that as well. What we're doing, I think the kind of work we do is incredible work and Mm. and necessary because art is necessary. Yeah. Yet there are, you know, you want to be well-rounded and think, okay, there are, are other things that are, I, I think, are important. I think I'm, I'm a parent, so I have a 10 year old son and, you know, mm-hmm. I think about that and I'm like, well, well, that's really important. Yeah. That will always put things into perspective for me when I look at my kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so true. Do you have um, any mentors or have you had any mentors and are there any standout lessons? You know, I have to say, my my producing partner, Sue Gilad, she's going to hear this. <laughs> Hi, Sue. She's, she's been a mentor of mine for a year. You know, now we sort of mentor each other. Okay. But she was always just a great guide and a mentor for me. I'll give you one simple example that just happened a couple days ago. We went to Phoenix on a quick trip. And it was early, early morning. It was like 7 a.m. And I said, oh, I really need to get back to my workout regimen. I got to get back to what she goes, we'll go right now. And that's, that is typical Sue. Like that is, exa- for her, it's always, you mentioned something, she says, we'll do it right now. And that's always been the thing that has helped me more than anything else. And I'm very susceptible. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it right now. I'll just, I'll, someone suggests that, <laughs> I'll do later. it. But it's like, I need someone to say, well, do it. Hmm. Pick up that phone, make that phone call. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Get into the gym and go work out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was just gonna. I'm gonna repeat what you're saying. So we'll move, we'll move forward. Um, uh, let's talk about. I'm as far as communicating is concerned. When it comes to producing, there are I feel like multiple levels of it. You know, you're speaking with designers, you're speaking with, speaking with extremely creative individuals, but you're also speaking with theater owners, investors, co-producers, people from other industries. What have you learned about listening when it comes to each of these different individuals? that you interact with? It's number one. <sighs> you're in power when you're doing the least amount of talking. If you're talking too much, then you lose all of it. Like you, mm. you, you, you have to be a great listener because you're also, yeah. you want to be in someone's listening. You know what I mean by that? Like you, you may change. I know I will always shift how I'm talking to someone based on how they're being with me. Yeah. Right. I'm a pretty animated person. I have a lot of energy. But if I get with someone that has a very different energy from that, I can't be like all over the place. I I, I have to counter them. The only way to do that is by really listening. And I don't mean listening like, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, oh yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Not that. Like fake listening. Sure. Really being with them and hearing what they're saying, getting their body language and just listening closely. Because they may say something really subtly that could be very powerful. You don't want to miss that. Yeah. Yeah, I always say it, and I talk to my fiance about this a lot, tip of the iceberg thoughts. If someone says something, usually there's a whole series of thought processes below the surface that have led to that one little, you know, it's like, and I notice it if someone talks poorly about themselves, maybe. It's like, oh, that's a lot of, because I've done that before, there's a lot of thoughts alone in my mind before I say that one, and that one little thing can unlock so many other avenues of conversation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, how about negotiating? 
Are there any standout lessons, thought processes when it comes to negotiating? I think being clear with your intentions and clear in your language, you know, and giving options, yeah. you know, um, giving at least two options when you're negotiating and, but then we just said it really listening, yep. you know, um, and b being firm and kind. Hmm. There's no need to be like a douche. <laughs> just, I feel like there's never a reason <laughs> to be okay. that person. But yeah. you also, you want to um, exude um, strength and, you know, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to the point of like pushing a point forward or holding on to something you believe in or letting it go, is there a, a self-talk with that for you as you're like, no, I really believe in this thing or uh, I'm going to let it go? There's a fine line there because I think you have to listen also to what people are saying around you because you could feel really strongly about something, yeah. but there is a time some, sometimes to let it go. And that can be the most humbling experience because you really, you're right, if you believe in something so much, mm. now there's a time you need to stand your ground. Like if it's something artistic that you don't want to lose integrity mm. with what you're doing and your project. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, I've worked with, this happens with writers sometimes. I've worked with writers and, you know, I want to produce their work, but they're not willing to maybe make a change that needs to happen so it can be produced. And that could be something like, okay, we need to scale down from a cast of 10 to a cast of seven. Mm. And that's tough artistically. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want them to give up their integrity, but you also know we can't produce this if it's 10 salaries to pay. And that's yeah. just logistics yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you have a, um, you have a favorite failure? Or a parent failure that set you up for success? A parent failure, like from yeah. my parents? No, or, uh, like, like a parent. Uh, like at the moment, it was oh. apparent. It was apparently a failure, <laughs> but it's not as it led to success or an opportunity or what have you. Yeah, um, boy, I think you know. Mentioning earlier, I talked about disaster. It's funny <laughs> that's the name of it, but you know, <laughs> you could see like, oh, well, that was you know failed on Broadway. It was you know, but. Yeah. It was so not a failure to me. And well, it's, it's licensed anyway. It's actually doing very well in licensing, which is amazing. Good. You know, so just because something fails on Broadway and I've had other things that have failed on Broadway, you know, traditionally failed, mm -hmm. but there's such a great lesson to be learned within the, and the experience you have. I never think of any, none, none of the quote unquote failures are failures to me. They're like, yeah. they're all stepping stones to get me to where I need to be. Sure. And I learned something fresh and new from each experience. And I meet a whole slew of new people mm. that lead me to whatever's coming next. Mm. Yeah. That led me to another question. I'm trying to, okay. So you might've just answered this. Um, is there a particular project that taught you a lot about yourself? That taught me a lot about myself. Let's see. Um, so I've been a part of uh, Jagged Little Pill, which yeah. is, um, you know, it, it was the Alanis Morissette that, you know, musical based on her music um, that was on Broadway. We, we closed recently because of COVID and all that. Yeah. But um, I saw a very early, early workshop of it. And I was like a puddle. <laughs> okay. And I marched up to the lead producer and I said, you know, I need to be a part of this. I'm going to be a co-producer. So that all happened. Um, but what I learned from that was, uh, and it was, I'm so glad I did that because, you know, really first and foremost going with your gut. And I, I felt like oh, I have to be a part of the show. But then I also talked it through in my head. I was like, okay, why this show? Why now? Um, why is this relevant? Why should this happen in this moment? Is there an audience for it? 
So I really learned that through that, just that particular instance I could think of. And I know, so yes, okay, we close on Broadway, but you know, the national tour is going out. It's opening the West End. It's open in Australia. It's a huge future for that show, mm. which actually leads me to, I don't know if this question is when it's going to come up or not, but as a producer, you know, Broadway is not the end all be all. No. <laughs> no. It's lovely to have the, it's, hey, look, it's great to have a, a Broadway hit. It's cool. <laughs> like we have Moulin Rouge right now, which is a huge Broadway hit and yeah. it's exciting and it's awesome. Yeah. But just because something is no longer running on Broadway does not mean the life of it is over hmm. or it's not successful. Hmm. You know, there's lots of success beyond. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>